Thank you. Right. Are you suggesting that someone's trying to make a real-life sequel? Stat 2? Who'd want to do that? Sequels suck. No. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and they be slow! Wow! A second Super Saiyan? Second in order, perhaps, but by no means in stature. Your fight is with me now. I'll have my revenge and Deathstalker, too. Man, I can't fucking believe this. Another basement, another elevator. How can the same shit happen to the same guy twice? Oh, please, please. By definition alone, there are fewer films. How's it going, everyone? Thank you for turning, tuning into another episode of Inside the Sequel. I'm your host, Chris, as always, and thank you for tuning in. I am so excited to have this episode up. Uh, last week, we we had the two directors of Scream Queens by Nightmare on Elm Street to talk about Subway Camp 2, and uh, it's October, and there are so many sequels in October, and I could not think how to not include a Halloween movie in, in the monthly lineup. Because, you know, when, it, when you think about iconic horror movies and, and movie characters, I don't think any are more prevalent than uh, Michael Myers. And so I had to have one in there. But I also can't think of a director that is so iconic and maybe should be on a Mount Rushmore than Rob Zombie. So then I kind of figured, hey, he just so happens to have a sequel. And what bloke slides into my dms <laughs> and says you know what this movie fucks and uh i love it so i, I you know I, I i'm here to talk about rob zombies halloween too lock the place up tight i don't want any surprises till i get there in the morning six guys left one stiff that's one for the books <laughs> <laughs> haven't been able to produce a body. Do you think Michael's alive or dead? Will he kill again? Let me make things clear. Michael Myers is dead. D-E-A-D. -E so, how are you feeling? Nightmares are chewing at my head again. They just seem to be getting worse. I've had four calls about Michael Myers today, all in the space of 10 minutes. Are you a giant? I know he's not going to come back just because of some stupid holiday. I need you to call 911. We're at 15 Cherry. It's going to be all no, right. No, it's going to be no, fine. No, no, it's not. 
And with me, like I said, is a bloke that uh, I'm just so excited to have on. Um, (laughs) I'm insulting him because I know I can dish it with him and he'll take it and then dish it back harder. And Lord knows I need to be humbled. Um, But I have, again, coming back for a second appearance, it's Mark Warner. Mark, how are you? I'm doing great, Chris. Uh, I didn't slide into your DMs. You gave me the choice between this or Venom, Let There Be Carnage. And literally any other choice you give me, I'm going to choose <laughs> Venom, Let There Be Carnage. But what are you doing? I'm, uh, I'm putting my hands up. You are making us look bad. I no, I am not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Why would you do that? You had to pick one of my, like, absolute favorite horror movies so like of course i'm gonna pick that over that i <laughs> yeah. am i'm thrilled to be here i love this movie i'm so i you know to you know kurt you know pulling the curtain back i actually didn't slide in his dms mark's one of the few i don't have to slide in um you know he's just always <laughs> ready for my beck and call and uh but i did some research on him i was like you know he was he's pretty cool we talked about term uh transformers but uh I need to know more. And uh, I did my homework and uh, somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, you know, Mark really fucks with uh, Halloween too. And that's like crazy. Cause I too fuck with Halloween too, both Halloween twos and soon to be the third Halloween two. That's going to be coming out on uh, October 15th. Oh God. This is going to be a Halloween two fuck fest. <laughs> Honestly, like even if we didn't get a Halloween kills, I would say Halloween, the direct sequels to Halloween are airtight when it comes to, you know, the original Halloween 2 and then Rob Zombies. Don't jinx it. I mean, yes, they are, but I want Halloween Kills to be airtight too. I want it to follow in these solid footsteps. I'm at this point now, if Laurie Strode doesn't like take care of Michael, I'm just going to have to do it myself because it's like every sequel, she's like, I'm going to have to take care of Michael. Well, clearly you can't. So I'm going to be the one that does it. <laughs> I'm from Illinois, Haddonfield in Illinois. I, I, it's right on my way back home anyway. I'll, I'll make a stop. I'll take care of Michael. We got shooters on his head top, is what we it's, like to say. Oh, shooters. <laughs> uh, speaking of Halloween, the only Halloween movie to actually have shooters trained on Michael. <laughs> oh, I, I'm curious, is there going to be a hospital in this new one as well? Oh, yeah. Have you seen the trailer? Like real, right at the beginning, Lori's in the hospital oh, as oh, the yeah, sheriff's right. visiting Judy Grin. He's like, Michael Myers is still alive. Oh, yeah, that's right. I do that trailer. I, I, you know, I've been trying to keep my nerves calmed with this new one. I like with 2018's Halloween, I was ultra hyped. I got, I was like stressing out trying to get tickets for opening night and everything like that. And I was just so excited with this one, trying to calm my nerves a little bit, you know, it's just like, I don't want to hyperventilate like I did then. I was a, I was like a stress. I was like full on stress to try to get. It was kind of like when you get tickets to like Force Awakens, you know, for the first time. You were just like, holy shit, you know, like I have to be there for it. And this one, it feels like you know, I don't have to stress out as much. I know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am definitely stressed. Like, here's the thing: this October is jam packed. Like mm-hmm. this week, well. After we've recorded, or um, before this episode drops, but after we've recorded, uh, <laughs> No Time to Die comes out. We've also got Dune. We've got The French Dispatch. There are numerous movies to be excited for this month. And Last Night in Soho. Oh my God. Yeah, that's right. I knew I was forgetting one. 
and I like I sh I am excited for all of these, but like my excitement is dulled just because Halloween Kills is coming out. And, like that's kind of eating up all my excitement. Like I just want to see that already so I can continue to be excited for Dune and Last Night in Soho. Yeah, uh, my two big ones are definitely Halloween uh, Kills and Dune, and then Last yeah. Night in Soho. But uh, yeah, I'm not a big Bond guy. Like No Time to Die, I'd be like, you have plenty of time to die because there's so much more movies to watch besides James Bond movies. <laughs> we won't we won't get into that. I am a huge Bond guy, but um, this is this is not the podcast for that. I'm gonna be on full on like no time to like sure Ana Dermas is in it. That's awesome. You see Rami Oscar yeah. winner Rami Malek and Oscar winner um, Christoph Waltz. That's cool and all, uh, but I I don't know who their characters are. Venom, uh, Let There Be Carnage star Naomi Harris. I almost said Venom, No Time to Die. <laughs> uh, honestly, I like the Let There Be Carnage is kind of a cool, cool name that would fit a Bond movie, but for some reason they didn't. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like more like James Bond slander. Like I haven't watched really any except the Pierce Brosnan ones. And I, I feel like I've done just perfectly fine. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan is my boy. Yeah, that was he, my first Bond. See, God damn it. I said I wasn't going to talk about Bond, and you just got me started talking about Bond. I'm cutting you off. I'm cutting you off. We're not talking about Bond, but I want to know, Mark, what have you been up to in the podcasting realm, maybe YouTube realm? What have you been watching? What have you been talking to? to? Who have you been cheating on me with, with other podcasters? I need to know. I've been gone a month. I need to, I need to catch up. <laughs> um, I did a, uh, let's see. What have I done? I did a, a film feast with my good friend Hayden. We covered a double feature of Vertical Limit and Poseidon. Uh, only us would, uh, only we would <laughs> attempt something so crazy. I also did a schlock and awe where I talked about um, The Dark Knight and Daylight. Uh, it was inspired by a Taylor Swift song. And uh, yeah, that's it really in the podcasting realm. Have not done much in the YouTube realm. And by not much, I mean anything. I will, uh, I will be appearing on another podcast later this month. I don't know if it'll drop this month, but it's horror themed, so I hope it does. But I will be talking about another one of my absolute favorite horror films. And I am already excited for that. <laughs> yeah you're cheating on me you're, you're you're making your rounds you're on schlock and all you've been on the film feast cobwebs um absolute mad lad uh but yeah i've been gone a month i think everyone knew why when kanye dropped donda i just had to take a month away just to kind of pause and reflect on uh, my life and meaning and now i've come full circle and i'm, I'm back onto podcasting again did you get enough out of Donda? Did you get everything you wanted? Were you able to get uh, all your analysis out of the way? <laughs> you know what's crazy? Donda has done more for me in my personal life than organized religion has that I've had more in my life of. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And Rob it's like, Zombie's Halloween 2 has done more for me than organized religion in my life. That's so. what I want to hear. Rob Zombie is a religion when it comes to film. I really do think so. It's 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 not just cult following when it comes to Rob Zombie. It is a legit religion. And I am fucking sworn and baptized with that. Oh, 100%. And we'll get into that. This is going to be a Rob Zombie fuck fest too. But <laughs> Rob Zombie's also bigger in the way that he seems to have just as many haters as he does lovers. Much like organized religion too. Odd. 
<laughs> uh, uh, before we get to Rob Zombie, though, so like, what else have you been up to, Mark? I mean, you're kind of an enigma figure um, for me. Really? You're kind of you're kind of like Noah, Noah Klein, who's been on here a few times. You, you know, like I, I know oh, I thought you were from... talking about like Noah of Noah's Ark. Oh, that fuck! I don't know who isn't <laughs> who is an enigma. Darren Aronofsky only makes movies about enigmas. <laughs> Okay, I didn't know I had Mitch on the podcast. I don't want to hear any more about Darren Aronofsky. But what have you been up? To, what have you been watching, man? Like, what? It's October. Everyone's been bragging and and like clout chasing what they've been watching in October and bragging about <laughs> the new releases from Mike Flanagan. And I'm like, well, okay, whatever. Um, what have you been watching, man? What's what's, what's been getting you going? Um, I haven't watched the new release from Mike Flanagan yet. I've watched a lot of old releases from Mike Flanagan. I finally caught Gerald's game, which I missed out on back in 2017. Damn, you got uh, bored, That eh? was awesome. Oh. What? I said, damn, you got bored, eh? <laughs> uh, I rewatched Oculus, which, uh, that guy just has a solid filmography. I'm pretty sure my least favorite of his would be, like, uh, Before I Wake, and I still really like that movie, so. Do you watch his TV shows, too? I watched uh, The Haunting of Hill House, which I absolutely loved. I'm notoriously awful when it comes to getting through TV shows, so I'll start one and I'll just like drop off halfway through because I'm interested in something else, and that's kind of what happened with uh, Bly Manor, but I still really like what I saw of that, which was about half. Oh, was it Bly Manor? Oh, I thought it was Bleh Manor. <laughs> oh, God. My friend Hayden is listening to this, and he just burst out laughing because he does not like Bly Manor. <laughs> Dude, even the haunting of Hill House, it was more like the haunting of Boar House for me. I gave okay, that you show... just lost Hayden there. <laughs> I I gave that I gave that show three episodes. Oh man, <laughs> that episode I was putty in that show's hands. Like every way that that show could have successfully manipulated me, it did to the max. I don't know what it is about Mike Flanagan, and that's great. It's done that for you, but for me, he just kind of breathes lifetime tv for horror uh, older horror fans in a way or you know uh, he does this great job of mixing like really cheesy melodrama with just i don't know hard here hard hitting serious emotions and like genuine horror like oh god dr sleep Do- I, th- I think dr sleep's just perfect that's what i'm holding out on. i, I own the blu-ray and uh, I-, I do intend on watching it for my october um film I, th- i'm trying to try and keep track on letterbox which i'm notoriously bad at updating but this october i'm really committed to trying to update my uh october watches this year and i do really t- intend on watching um dr sleep i'm not a big shining guy um but all this raving for dr sleep has got me after years like a year or two since it came out i'm like okay let me finally now catch up on the buzz of this I mean, if you're not a Shining guy, Dr. Sleep might just be the movie for you because it's the Shining movie for, for people who are not Shining fans. That's what I've heard. Like, I heard like people like, oh, The Shining's amazing or The Shining wasn't that good and that both parties liked it. So we'll see where, you know, Chris, you know, whatever they call me on Twitter these days and with opinions. We'll see what I think of uh, Dr. Sleep. They just I might be cool, the baby. Dr. Sleep, you know? I might put a top hat on and just, you know, take a quick snooze on the movie um what did you think of uh what did you think of malignant uh malignant 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 that sounds familiar it's it sounds like the that sounds like the kind of movie that i watched loved and immediately bought the poster for oh my god 
I'm a big uh, I'm a big movie poster collector because I've spent a lot of years working at movie theaters and I can just get one sheets for free, but nice. haven't worked at a theater for a while, so I miss getting them. So I actually I think this is the first time I've done this where I actually went on eBay and bought a one sheet for it. But I did that like the day after I saw the movie because I was just so obsessed with it. Like I I pretty much share the sentiments of all of our mutual Twitter followers and thinking it's just like one of the greatest things ever. Oh, are we not mutuals and on Twitter? Cause I don't agree with that statement at all. Um, okay. <laughs> well, I let's hear you justify that. And then I'll decide if we're still mutuals. Well, I have to ask, did you watch the movie in theaters or on HBO max? Oh, I watched that in theaters. Oh, you yeah, did? I'm not going to miss a, uh, I mean, a, no judgment against people who don't go to theaters. I feel like that's what I was, uh, what it was sounding like was like, no, no judgment, but I'm not going to miss uh, James Wan in theaters. Also, I don't really focus well on movies at home. So if I want to like have the movie have its full effect on me, I kind of have to watch it in theaters where I'm forced to stay off my phone. Right. You seem like the type of menace that would say something like there's no time in the present and go see the movie in theaters. I respect that. That's awesome. Cause uh... well, I would say that, but it took me over a month to watch uh shang chi and jungle cruise so you don't have to see jungle cruise but uh shang well, i did <laughs> mark water is a god of mike's men right now i'm i'm convinced uh but you saw malignant <laughs> in theaters and uh, that trailer i i was with uh my partner charlie and i i she was like i don't she was like what is that movie and i'm like i don't know and i don't care <laughs> and it's a james wan film so my my thought was like it's probably another insidious conjuring bumfuck movie whatever i don't pay attention to um and we were gonna go we were watching uh candy man that night too so which was weird that it came out september it seems like a crime against humanity that a horror movie something like candy man comes out in september instead of october but uh but yeah oh, when I mean can you blame them? They got to go up against No Time to Die, Halloween Kills, and Dune, which, I don't know, maybe Dune will be a complete box office bomb. I mean, it's kind of amazing, because I know uh, Blade Runner 2049 was not a huge box office hit, so it's oh, kind of amazing God. that he's getting to make an even bigger movie. That's cute. That's a really I'm just, cute... <laughs> I'm just talking in terms of box office. Denis Villeneuve is a god, as far as I'm concerned. I don't think he can do any wrong, but... I mean, I'm convinced. Know, uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I know Blade Runner was not. I worked at the Alamo Draft House when it came out, and every showing was selling out. So I thought, this movie's fucking smashing. But then I was looking at the box office, and like pretty much no one else was seeing it outside of the Draft House audiences. Yeah. Uh, better viewing people, honestly. But, uh, Oh man, Daddy Slander, that's tough. I actually, I'm, I, I'm gonna, I'm boldly gonna say, I would be surprised if Dune doesn't do better than No Time to Die. I don't think No Time to Die is gonna do well. I don't. I mean, I think there's more, more of the buzz is around who's the next Bond gonna be than the actual movie. I disagree. I think, uh, I think uh, Daniel Craig is uh, like just a guaranteed box office smash no matter uh, well daniel craig as james bond i don't know maybe just daniel craig in general because knives out was a smashing success see that's the thing about bond movies it seems like everyone's complaining about a bond movie coming out unless it was skyfall you know the only times when daniel craig was bought it was like ah oh, this wasn't a good bond movie this movie wasn't that good but then skyfall everyone really liked 
Well, uh, Skyfall, uh, everyone really liked because Skyfall was awesome. But, see, I didn't see it, but I did. I did like that that song from um, Adele. That's probably. I think that's the best James Bond song, and I think Skyfall is my favorite James Bond movie. So oh, uh, nice. Yeah, Skyfall. Skyfall was special. Right. But um, <laughs> was it as no, special as Malignant? Like, uh, don't. It's it's too early to tell. You know what? <laughs> no, I I can't put Malignant quite as high as Skyfall yet. But give Malignant a few years and a few more viewings, and it easily could be. You see, I saw Malignant on HBO Max and I forgot, I totally forgot the movie existed until Daniel told me, you guys need to watch Malignant. And uh, it was, I was like, I was bored, you know, and I was, I was with Charlie and I was like, oh, we need to watch this movie because Daniel thinks it's like, you know, God's gift to man, not to get religious because I'm not. But that's the only we were waiting for all your HBO chips were on reminiscence. After reminiscence came out, you just didn't give a shit of what went on HBO Max anymore. Dude, HBO Max is actually like the go when it comes to streaming services. Like, I don't know why people still talk about Netflix and chill. I'm like on HBO Max and let's bang to the max because it's like all this stuff is on there. Um, it's HBO just the- Max, let's bang to the max. Did you just come up with that or have you had that in your back pocket a while? Uh, I just thought about that while drinking this uh, vodka tonic at five six. I don't believe that for a minute, Chris. You had that one planned way ahead. <laughs> I wish I did, bud. But uh, yeah, so we, we, you know, HBO Max. It's like it's been goaded. It, I mean, it it had fucking the ju- Snyder's Snyder's cut Justice League, King Kong versus Godzilla, which is the best movie of 2021, and then it also had. Oh, hey, there's Canada. a disagreement we can get for, <laughs> but a, I won't. I know a- how much you like that movie. I will. Uh, I will leave it peaceful. <laughs> it's a it has mortal combat it had it has so many great things but my god that app cannot function it is it is so buggy but it's worth the effort to get some of that oh, good god. stuff i i don't know what i was watching a while back but there was something i was watching i couldn't even get it to pause and when <laughs> i finally got it to pause i couldn't get it to play there was one day where literally the only thing i could watch on hbo max that didn't give me problems was aquafina is nora from queens Oh, I, I ended up that. binging. It's a funny show. I ended up binging the whole show in one day, and I am <laughs> terrible when it comes to TV shows. So that should tell you how uh, how great it is. It's not great. It's fine. It's really funny, and that's all you really need from a show like that. That's so awesome, dude. But yeah, I'm with you. The app is so bummy, but man, the content is there. The content, yeah, you can't beat the content. Like on top of the new movies, just. All the HBO shows, the H, the Max Originals. Well, dude, it had Space Jam Two as well, and I watched it. I didn't watch. Don't 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 bait me, Chris. You (laughs) gave me the option to talk about Space Jam Two. I picked Halloween Two. Don't tell me this was just a sting to get me to come on and talk about Space Jam. I just need to know there's another human being that's watched Space Jam Two besides me. Uh, Again, hate. I'm calling out Hayden a lot on this episode. Hayden watched it. he sent me plenty of uh, clips from it, and I <laughs> couldn't believe what I was watching. I need Hayden to be on here next time. Will you? Will you sign a contract that says that you will be on another episode with Hayden as well? I think I feel like Hayden and I are just going to become like a podcasting Abbott and Costello. Like you just you can't <laughs> get one of us without the other. Oh man, I don't know how if it would turn into that, but I, I need to meet this man with these kind of takes. Uh, but yeah, Malignant, it's a, it's a cute, it's a cute little movie on HBO Max before Dune comes on there, you know, but I'll see Dune in theaters instead of Malignant, like on HBO Max, but well, in, in between it was a cute, those it was two, a cute, 
it's a cute little surprise you know like it's in cute... between those two you got uh the many saints of newark are you gonna watch that barf no <laughs> i don't like the sopranos this actually looks like a, a Sopranos movie for people who don't like the Sopranos, so I kind of want to check it out. I mean, I feel like the trailer... it's got Vera Farmiga. That I mean, I'm sold there. I don't care what else is happening in it. If it's got her, I'm gonna be there. Mm, good point. Good point. Good point. But my last slander of *Malignant*, like boy, did my head actually hurt watching that movie for the first half hour, maybe up to 45 minutes. My head was hurting. I was like, oh, I feel like I'm sedated and forced to watch insidious or a conjuring movie right now because it has the exact same tone and like oh that really bad pixies um cut of uh of the movie at a random spot okay then it got good it could have been goaded ladies and gentlemen i genuinely don't know if he's speaking the truth or if he's just trying to bait me into yelling but i'm not taking the bait i'm <laughs> i'm sorry you felt that way chris and that's all I'm going to say. So, Mark, do you remember when you first watched um, Rob Zombie's 2007 <laughs> Halloween? And then when he watched Rob Zombie's 2009 Halloween? Do you remember? Oh, baby, have I got a story for you. Because that's um, Rob's like 2007. I, I was a horror fan for a long time, but I didn't really recognize it until 2007. And a lot of things happened that year. And uh Rob Zombie and Halloween and his Halloween are kind of at the center of that. So like Grindhouse came out, which made me realize, oh, wait, it's okay to watch, to like these like crazy old horror movies. Like you don't <laughs> have to feel ashamed for that. And I also, I watched the documentary Halloween 25 Years of Terror, which is like maybe the OG like franchise, uh, franchise encompassing horror documentary. And it's to oh. date still my favorite, even though it's, the length of one movie and not seven <laughs> and I, watching that i was just like oh my god i stand the halloween franchise don't i it's like my i because i had i had always been kind of obsessed with uh slasher movies kind of r-rated horror movies because my my specifically my mom she did not like me watching anything like really graphically violent and so i'd always have to kind of sneakily watch those or watch parts of them i remember <laughs> there was a website I went to. I can't remember what it was, but like in the earlier days of the internet, where not the earlier days of the internet, the earlier like 2000s days of the internet. And they you just mean the golden like, age of the internet? Really? A golden age. Well, I don't know. This was like after <laughs> Napster had shut down. Uh, yeah, but that wasn't too hot. <laughs> there were like, they had all these like kill scenes from horror movies are these like scare scenes and so that was the only way i could like watch any parts of these movies without just seeing them on tv mm -hmm. so i would just watch these clips over and over again just building in my imagination oh my god i want to see the rest of this movie and then i could only ever watch them if they aired on tv but i i mean i liked all i wanted to watch all the horror franchises but the one that always really stuck out to me was halloween just because that that uh that Michael Myers mask, that pale, emotionless mask terrifies me to no end. Even to this day, honestly, whenever I see that mask, I've got a Michael Myers mask up on my shelf. And if I look at that Ugh. when I'm falling asleep, I got to leave the light on. So lucky, dude. I, I want to, I really want a uh, Michael Myers mask, like just to have. And, and the ones I look at with, at like, um, oh God, what's the horror, ho the Halloween shop called? Spirit, Spirit of Halloween. Halloween? Yeah, 
every time I go into one, I always think this is the this is the season that I buy a Rob Zombie Michael Myers mask because I love those. I love the Rob Zombie masks besides the the one and twos. Um, but man, I really always want one, but they're so expensive. They so props are. to you. I've, What's your uh, secret? Yes. Do you just shell out the money? Do you just like do you just take it and just pay for it, or do you like wait until the day after Halloween and hope for the best? Oh, What's no. your spirit I, of Halloween uh, plan? Like, I need to know. What's your game plan? I, I have always like for the longest time. Again, tying back into how obsessed I was with like the Halloween franchise when I was a kid, I always wanted a Michael Myers mask, but they were always too expensive. And when I was uh, basically living under my parents' roof and it was their money going towards everything, of course, they're not going to buy me a $60 Halloween mask. <laughs> but then I, after I graduated college, I'm making my own money. I see a, a like a Halloween 2 mask, like the OG Halloween 2. Oh, wow. Nice. And uh, I think it was Party City or something. And I'm like, oh, I'm this is happening. This is finally <laughs> happening. And I got it. And then I think maybe later that same year, actually, or maybe it was the year after, I got a Rob Zombie Halloween mask. Nice. They're they're long gone now. Like, they didn't last me that long. They weren't top-notch quality. But those <laughs> were, it was nice to finally have those and just, like, be able to wear them. I didn't, like, properly display them on mannequin heads like I should have. I just kind of left them laying around. But you, you see, I think the fun of those is like wearing it in your house with yourself from time to time and send snaps to your friends. That's what I would do. <laughs> I definitely scared the shit out of plenty of people with those. I also <laughs> wore it to a um, a retrospective screening of the original Halloween too. And That's awesome. I think I was the only one there doing it. I kind of felt a little foolish, but I didn't care. That no, no. I love that shit. I love when fandoms outside of the MCU, because it's toxic and probably the Star Wars <laughs> fandom too. Um, I applaud that kind of shit. Um, I think that's really cool when people like get on those getups. But for me, the rotation of Halloween masks were always Freddy Krueger and uh, Ghostface. Those were the two for me. Well, and Ghostface makes sense because Ghostface is cheap. You can get that mask for like 10 bucks at any store. It's just something Seriously. you slip on your face. It's still cheaper to buy a Ghostface mask than beef jerky in this country. And it's absolutely outrageous. I don't know why beef jerky prices are where they're at. It's pissing me off. I'm getting tight right now. Fuck. Like, why? <laughs> I went to a retrospective screening of uh, Scream one year. And like those masks are so cheap. They were basically able to afford one for everyone who attended that screening. <laughs> oh man yeah ah dude i miss screenings do you remember those i'm talking about horror movies and i still have i live in austin we have the alamo draft house they never like once they open back up they they don't stop doing screenings. yo road trip to mark warner's place in austin let's go we're (laughs) raiding him oh god I don't uh, but, have a big enough place to host company, so feel free to just squeeze in here. We're coming through to Mark's Admire place. The... Look out. After this episode's there, we're all I'm gonna link Mark Mark's address. We're all coming through. Admire my Michael Myers mask and my malignant poster. I'm gonna admire that showgirls thing that's on the top. Holy shit, you can actually see that? That's not cut <laughs> off from the frame. <laughs> dude, why is why is, why do you have a bunch of vinegar syndrome porn on your shelf too, dude? Like, whoa. You haven't heard? It's okay to like porn now. It's been accepted on the letterbox. If there's anybody that's okay with accepting porn, it's on this channel. Not with me, but it's okay to admit on this channel. <laughs> um, but dude, the reason I, when I heard you were a big uh, Halloween 2 fan, um, 
I was so excited because it, it like we talked about earlier. Oh, it, actually, sorry. It, let me go back because I didn't finish my like story for Rob Zombie's Halloween Two. Like, yeah, let me hear. I'll, about I'll, that. I'll make this quick because I, I I can ramble. Two thousand seven, <laughs> big year for horror. Grindhouse came out. I saw that Halloween documentary, and it made me realize just how much I love that franchise, and that it's pretty much my favorite franchise, even though there's really like only one great movie in that franchise at the time. My opinions on several of them have changed since then, but sure, sure. 2007 was also the year that we got uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween. Rob Zombie was already pretty much one of my favorite directors just from Devil's Rejects alone. Mm-hmm. Love, love Devil's Rejects. Five out of five film. Debatably yes. one of the best movies in the last 25 years, in my opinion. So yeah, I share I I would agree. And yeah. so naturally, I was excited to see this guy take on uh, Halloween. Uh, the trailer of which, by the way, premiered at Grindhouse. So hmm. literally all these like things that are like making me a bigger horror fan are just kind of tied together. Yeah. And I was following the development of it on his MySpace page. He would always post updates. Remember MySpace? Yeah. God, this is ages ago. I miss it. And oh man, when that movie came out, I was like, I was so pumped for it. I had spent the summer just becoming even more of a horror fan and mm-hmm. I watched it. It's not a popular movie, but I loved it. I had, that's probably one of the great movie going experiences of my life is that first night watching Rob Zombie's Halloween. Nice, dude. That's kind of how I felt with watching Halloween 2018, which I hate they call it Halloween 2018. Because that was my first Halloween movie pr- to premiere, to go to a premiere for. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I didn't get to see Rob Zombie's Halloween movies in theaters. Um, you know, I was a little bit younger. But I did watch them because my mom had rented them because she's a big horror fan. And uh, I, those movies genuinely terrified me. Um, Rob Zombie's Halloween um, terrifies me with just like, I remember the, I rewatched it last year, the 24 hour, the first annual 24 hour marathon that Dana and I did. I say annual cause we're going to keep doing it. We're doing it again this year and then we'll do, probably do it till we die. But, um, <laughs> uh, but I remember watching it and I just was terrified when he's in the house with Lori and he's like stabbing um, the whole ramshacked house. I was like, this is fucking creepy. Oh god, when he's like uh using that uh using like, that two by four to ram yeah. up into the ceiling. Yeah. Oh like god, it, that is intense. Rob Zombie is really good at capturing intensity on screen. Like exactly brutality, intensity, just like when you feel everything that's happening in a Rob Zombie movie. Yes, and that's gonna lead me to the second thing. The thing that also terrified me in Halloween 2 for a long time as a kid was when he's stabbing Octavia Spence, Oscar winner, Octavia Spencer. Jesus and, and, Christ. And when he's in the rain and throws the ax at buddy or the, the security guard, I'm just like, uh, like those were the scenes where like when I'd walk into the living room and she's just watching him and I'm like, Holy shit. I'm freaked out as a kid right now, but this is also kind of awesome. <laughs> those are some of my favorite slasher movie deaths, not because of just, Oh man, they're cool. But because they are brutal, unpleasant, impactful. You feel them and you remember them. And that's the thing about Rob Zombie, why I love his whole filmography and why I love him so much. When I watch a Rob Zombie horror movie, I feel like that's exactly how a horror movie needs to feel like. Unpleasant, ugly, gross, um, iconic characters and actors. And... Um, kind of playing homage to earlier sort of horror movies regardless like nameless horror movies and uh 
I feel like he's always kind of done that and all his movies and his filmography for the most part can be drawn back to some sort of older, older horror movie. They're always going to be brutal. They're going to be honest. They're going to be ugly and grungy. And um, they have old actors in these movies um, that are icons at one point or another, or like, you know, B movie actors. And uh, I love him for it. And I feel like that's exactly when you, when you look up horror, I feel like Rob Zombie's name in his movies should kind of be shown on there because that's what I feel like every time when I watch his movies. Oh, I absolutely agree. Like my favorite horror movies are the, well, I have lots of different (laughs) things that I look for in horror movies, but one thing that really works for me is like a mixture of quote unquote entertainment and also discomfort. Like his movies, uh, mainly like Devil's Rejects and the first Halloween, like they, there are a lot of entertaining elements in them. Like the way he writes characters, people give him shit for just like having a bunch of profanity laden redneck dialogue. And <laughs> it just, it's a good time. But on top of that, he'll always have things that make you feel uncomfortable. Like, uh, I mean, the Devil's Rejects is just, that's, that's a very uncomfortable movie. Like more it. so for me, like, I disagree with the cons- like the consensus on that movie is that you're uh, like halfway through you kind of shift allegiance and you're siding with the Firefly family. I've never felt that way. I'm pretty much always on William Forsyth's side because mm-hmm. we see Otis cut a guy's face off and uh, put it on his wife. <laughs> and like, I'm sorry, no amount of like torture or brutality he enacts upon them is going to make me forget that. I, I, can't, I can't it's I feel uncomfortable sometimes with my own skin because when I watch a Rob Zombie movie I'm like horrified but like my eyes are glued my eyes are glued to the screen but I'm also kind of chuckling to myself but it's not because I'm enjoying like the acts that I'm seeing but I'm enjoying watching it if that makes sense like I'm like absolutely I'm, I'm like oh my god you just fucking did that that's fucking insane like I like that's it's that's <sighs> kind of taken to the max with Halloween 2 which is mm-hmm. like maybe his like ugliest and most brutal movie like that's probably the least amount of entertainment value out of any of his movies because it's just so much focused on trauma and Mm -hmm. what happens to the final girl after that movie and uh how all these relationships have just been fractured exactly i'm so glad you said that mark that's oh god i love this movie and like we do get we do get entertainment value in this movie in the form of one Malcolm McDowell, mm-hmm. but Malcolm McDowell and him, strippers. <laughs> oh my god! We'll we'll get into all. I feel like we're just jumping around. We'll get into all this stuff, but like Malcolm McDowell, every scene with him and his publicist, like he is such an asshole in this movie, and you just have so much fun watching him. But at the same time, you're just recognizing that he's enjoying this fame and fortune at the expense of uh, everyone who lost their life in Havenfield, like. Everyone else's life was uh, ruined by the Michael Myers, but uh, Loomis is writing books and making millions of dollars off of it. Yeah, I have this actually in my notes. We'll, we'll let me just get this off, and then we'll go directly to Halloween too. Um, I love Loomis's character shift in these Rob Zombie movies compared to uh, Donald Pleasance in the John Carpenter Halloween movies because it gives a it gives a necessary added antagonist it's not like the the supernatural antagonist that's um michael myers in a way i mean he's human but i mean michael myers is not exactly human 
um especially that's with this one, new movie coming out but loomis that's one thing that my uh oh sorry i don't mean to cut you off but sure. that's one thing my friends and i always uh, kind of make fun of is you always hear people talk about michael myers when they're interviewed about halloween like the thing that's scary about him is that he's a man he's not a monster or a supernatural being and it's like well he uh he got shot six times he uh he shoves his thumb through people's foreheads, even just in the Rob Zombie movies. Like he gets shot point blank in the head mm-hmm. by Laurie. Mm-hmm. He's able to lift a car and uh, drop it off an embankment. Like this is not a human being. This is there is a supernatural bent with this guy, and I feel like that's at its most explicit in this one, giving the like psychic connection between Laurie and Michael. Yeah, and, and, and that's what I was saying with Halloween Rob Zombie's Halloween two it adds that real life villain in horror, which is Malcolm McDowell, you know, like the profiteering, the, 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 just the, the disregard and added trauma that comes to the real world, aside from the psychological and mental world that Laurie goes through in this movie is such a smart and different take that this franchise has ever seen. And when we talk about horror movies, we talk about Rob Zombie, we talk about icons like Halloween and the, in other franchises, we're so quick to to brush off these characters in these movies and not actually think about them as humans and people but rob zombie is kind of like the only person in all of these movies when you think about halloween one or friday the 13th one to two we think about the final girl in that movie and what happens on friday the 13th part two she gets immediately ousted like james minor just goes she's gone you know you know nightmare (laughs) two it's a different protagonist and then nightmare three um heather Lambkamp comes back and she's scarred but we don't get too much about it she's basically like this uh this mentor in a way you think about anything like um I, outside of i guess nev campbell in the scream movies you don't get any sort of like closure with these characters but those are direct sequels you know when we're talking about the scream movies but in halloween 2 we get laurie strode going through ptsd and mental illness and and just kind of recovering you don't ever see that ever. And I think that's part of the reason this movie is overly criticized at times because it doesn't feel like a Halloween movie in the sense of like Michael Myers just killing senseless people. Um, it's more or less like a journey. It's like a journey through like, like trauma, like you said, and, and just mental illness. And um, I'm no doctor, but if this movie didn't have Halloween as the title cards for this movie, I think this movie would probably be in something like the Criterion Collection or something like that. And I would be the first one to buy a copy of that. Wow, we really yeah. just said on this podcast that a hollow a Rob Zombie movie should be on the Criterion Collection, besides Devil's Rejects. Yeah, Noah Baumbach has like five movies in the Criterion Collection, and Rob Zombie has none. I think that's fucking criminal. You bastard! Fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Let's 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 sub someone else in. Let's sub. <laughs> You're the only person I've ever said that to on this podcast, besides John. Like, let's talk about Rob Zombie for a second, because you mentioned Ari Aster, who I love, sorry, Mm -hmm. but he's he's very pretentious. Like, people like him and Robert Eggers, they're they're a little pretentious when they talk about their movie. A little pretentious. They're very pretentious. Mm -hmm. Rob Zombie has no pretension whatsoever. Like, I went to the, uh, they had the local premiere of Lords of Salem at South by Southwest, so I was able to go there, and he had a Q&A for it. Whoa. Oh, yeah, that was, that's another one of, like, great movie-going experiences <laughs> of my life. And 
he's just a riot at q a's like he doesn't have these like far-fetched uh pretentious answers if anything he'll act like he didn't put nearly as much thought into the movie as he actually <laughs> did he's kind of like the coen brothers in that way although uh... not as openly cheeky mm-hmm. <laughs> like um oh god i just remember um someone asked him like uh what was the significance of like you know the trip to the moon background on sherry's uh yeah yeah like behind sherry's bed he's like yeah i don't know i just thought it'd be cool to put it there (laughs) he's that's the thing people i think rob zombie kind of ushered in this whole rockabilly kind of you know like aesthetic to horror movies when you think of like tucker and dale you know and like trailer park boys and like the hills run red you know these kind of like country almost type of horror movies in a sense kind of ushered that in but honestly the guy the man's knows his shit like he's basically doing what toby hooper was doing back in the 70s and the 80s and he's doing things like i mean i've tied these discussions off the mic and when i'm just with daniel all the time like he he loves his universal monster movies he loves his toby hoopers you know he he knows his shit like he's super smart he just doesn't like let it get to his head and that's what i really like about his movies too He's just like, I love horror movies. I know the fans love horror movies. I'm going to put something out that the fans are going to, I think, really like. And he does it in different subgenres of horror. And he's, you kind of get like that. It's weird. I think you're you're a great actor if like you make certain movies in different subgenres um, that people recognize as different in a way. So like Lords of Salem feels like, I feel like Lords of Salem feels like an 824 film before 824 even caught wind. You know, The Devil's Rejects, House of a Thousand Corpses, and even, you know, the, the Three from Hell. I feel like that's a Rob Zombie movie. You think about it when you watch like a Scorsese movie. You think about it when you watch um, like a Coen Brothers movie. You know, you kind of get these kind of like these vibes with like certain directors and the type of movies they make. Um, and, you, and Rob Zombie has that kind of staple. And I think that really accredits to his directing style and his aesthetic and his writing um and i think that i think he, he's done well as an as a director in like these last 20 almost 25 years and uh, i think the biggest criticism people have with him is because his he just happened to make a remake of an iconic horror movie that people weren't happy with for whatever reason and he also you know stars his wife in a lot of his movies which i think is awesome but people don't like that for whatever reason yeah, I mean, Mike Flanagan casts his wife and everything these days. No one cares, but Rob Zombie does it. And it's like, oh, man, what's wrong with you? I think deep down people just are angry that their uh, <laughs> wives aren't as hot as Sherry Moon Zombie. And they feel like he's <laughs> rubbing that in their face. And like the guy just loves his wife. Like, um, oh, my God, my old roommate who I went to see Three from Hell with, like his mm-hmm. letterbox review for Three from Hell was just, it's adorable how much he loves his wife because mm-hmm. her, her introduction to that in that is just her walking in slow motion down this prison, prison hallway while Susie Quattro's wild one plays. Oh my <laughs> God. It's so awesome. Cinema. Like, he just wants us to think that his wife is as awesome as he does. Yeah. He, I do. Guy. I love her. I love their relationship. I love that they love working together. I love that. She pretty much only works with him. Actually, to my knowledge, she's only been in uh, one thing not directed by him. And that was uh, The Toolbox Murders, which was directed by Toby Hooper. 
Oh, dude, you got to send me a link to this movie. I've never heard of this, but I kind of need oh, to dude, watch it's, it. It's uh, it's pro- it's one of uh, my favorite Toby Hooper movies. It's nice. definitely probably his like best modern movie. Oh, R.I.P. I say yeah. that like he's still making movies. We unfortunately lost him. Yeah, love you, Toby. Yeah, Toby Hooper. I was late to the game with Tobes, but once I got into his shit because of Daniel, I was just like, yeah, this is this is kind of my speed right here, you know. Oh um, God. He, yeah, he's awesome. And yeah, you can tell he's a huge influence on zombie, like particularly Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Like he casts Bill Mosley and mm-hmm. House of a Thousand Corpses just has that same kind of manic, insane energy that's almost like flying off of the screen. Yeah, it's an infusion of the fun house in, in Texas Chainsaw 2 for me. And that's why I love devil's rejects in the house of thousand corpses you know it's kind of like a weird fused baby it feels like that it feels like it feels like universal monsters frankenstein with toby hooper's you know texas 2 and funhouse it's a weird mashup like that that's a great way to put it i would completely agree actually (laughs) one thing about him though i um i don't dislike it because i did love three from hell but it's like he was kind of going off in a different direction with Halloween too. He started getting a little more surreal with his work. Like yeah. it was kind of the middle ground between all these influences that you really hadn't seen in his work until then that he was drawing on. And because the reaction to uh, Lords of Salem was so negative, uh, he's kind of, I feel like he's been retreating back to uh, like just doing the redneck horror, the hick shtick as Hayden calls it. <laughs> and I don't like, I'm, I'm not like I'm I don't have a problem with that because I did really enjoy three from hell I didn't really like uh 31 to date it's really the only Rob Zombie movie I don't like although I haven't seen the haunted world of El Super Bisto. the the only Rob Zombie movie I haven't seen is 31 and I bought it at the end of October last year and I've been saving it for this holy month so I'll come I, back and report I genuinely hope you like it more than I do because I don't dislike it there's a lot to like in that movie but it def- it feels almost like just Rob Zombie doing his greatest hits. Like he, uh, <laughs> even uh, in the uh, in the Q and I went to the Fathom event screening of that, and they had a little recorded Q and A oh, with yeah, him afterward. Yeah. I love that. And those. he was like, yeah. um, he was saying something like, uh, "Well, I tried to make this other movie, and he it couldn't get it off the ground." I'm like, "Well, I don't know. What's what's something I can make really cheaply?" He came up with the idea in like ten seconds, and like, "Okay, I'll make that." And again. He's he doesn't uh, he doesn't take Q and A's too seriously, so you have to take it with a grain of salt. But it's kind of like it sounds like your heart wasn't fully in this idea. You just wanted to get something made quickly, and that's the movie you actually took fan money to make it with. So it oh. feels a little insult- insulting. But again, Rob Zombie like he's a like he's a filmmaker with heart. So I don't want to think that he just he definitely didn't. Uh, just make something really easily. Like I've watched the behind the scenes for 31. That is a, that's a movie that he still put a lot of work into. It just doesn't feel that way when you watch it. Good to know. I'm really anticipating, like highly anticipating this 31 rewatch. Oh, not rewatch, but first time watch. And uh, I'm with you. Um, I, I really enjoyed three from hell. I was a little, when I first watched, I only watched it once and I'll probably rewatch. I most likely will rewatch it again. There was a lot of things I liked in it. It was just weird to see it in the context of devil's rejects was 2005 and now I'm watching three from hell, you know, like you feel like that gap, but on rewatch, I don't think that'll change that much. Also, I was kind of emotional watching it because it's like, 
I was sick, but also like Sid Haig had recently passed and like, you know, watching that is just like, he was barely in it. It just sucked. I love Sid Haig and the movies he was in. Sid Haig was incredible in those movies. Like yeah. He, God, so many of his quotes are memorable. Like, mm-hmm. don't he, you like clowns? <laughs> don't we make you laugh? Aren't we fucking funny? My younger like he bro- is, That's an like, immediately iconic character. I used to tease my brother at times. I used to say, little dick wick played with this prick. You touch it too much. It <laughs> smells going to make you sick. I, I used to say that to my fucking younger brother. Cause I watched devil uh, house with all corpses way too young of an age and, and God bless family videos manager for letting me rent that at the age I did. Um, but yeah, yeah, I had a dad who owned a used DVD store. So I could always just like <laughs> borrow stuff from there. <laughs> So I could always get away with borrowing like whatever the fuck I wanted to watch. <laughs> yeah, that's how I watched my uh, Haunted World of El Super Bisto, which is basically Rob Zombie hentai, which is awesome. And then watch <laughs> After Porn Ends. You know, shout out Family Video in Rockford, Illinois. Um, so let's, let's 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 go into Rob Zombie's Halloween two now. We've had our fun. Let's let's get into it. So. Rob Zombie Halloween 2 takes place a year after the the Rob Zombie 1, well, which I feel that's like... that's actually... Uh, did you watch the theatrical version or the director's cut? I've seen, I've seen both. I've seen both. Okay, so the uh, director's cut takes place uh, two years after the events of the original, and the theatrical mm-hmm. version only takes place one year. Oh, God, there are so many differences between this one. But there is, if... but I'll let, it, I'll let it be known now. I'm kind of a fan of the theatrical really okay yeah well i say that but that's because i also recently watched the first one theatrical and i really like that one so it kind of flows well, the first a little one bit better theatrical, uh let's just say the escape scene in the first one is definitely better in the theatrical like as yeah. much as i like rob zombie making us uncomfortable like I think it maybe takes it a little too far in that director's cut. Yeah, that's a good point. And with two, I kind of watched the theatrical again because I recently rewatched the first one theatrically. So it flowed a little bit better. Um, but I do remember in the unrated cut, the different scenes. And I do remember that two year different gap. Um, but I will say for those, I do recommend just watching both in theatrical to start. And if you enjoy them, then go and wa- watch the director's cut of the second one after i would disagree i would say watch the theatrical cut of the first one then watch the director's cut of the second because i personally prefer the director's cut and i feel like i I just feel like the changes are so strong that they make an automatically better movie although the only problem with that is if you ever go back and watch theatrical cut you're gonna automatically hate well I don't know. I, I guess I'm coming at this from my own personal bias. Sure, sure, I said sure. I adore the uh, uh, director's cut. You might still prefer the theatrical cut, but most I feel you know. I, I feel I see what's happening here. Chris is going to be advocating for the theatrical cut. No. I'm going to be advocating for the director's cut. Maybe that's a good dynamic to have on here. <laughs> no, no. I I think the theatrical and the un, like you said the theatrical on a rated of two you can't go wrong with either. But if in the I would always vouch now for Halloween one being theatrical watch. The unrated cut doesn't do anything different, and it's well. I would well I I would definitely say watch the theatrical. But there are moments in that original unrated cut that I do think are pretty good like there are uh, shots of michael kind of walking in the background of the frame that yeah, yeah. are so much creepier you don't get those shots in the theatrical 
I think sure. that those are great, but I don't think they're enough to justify. There's nothing really in that theatrical uh, director's cut to justify sitting through that escape scene. Yeah, I would say in two, there are more significant changes. It's a longer movie. Um, the scenes are definitely altered in some aspects, like the two-year gap with the one-year gap. Um, the strip club seems a little different <laughs> in the unrated director's cut. Um, you, you get things like that. Um, I mean, basically, the we're a, we're gonna be spoiling the movie, so we might as well go ahead and get sure. to it. Uh, at the end of the theatrical version, yep. Lori is just crazy and in an insane asylum, and she's mm-hmm. just having visions of her mother and the white horse. Mm-hmm. In the, the in the director's cut, she dies, and that's supposed to represent her afterlife, and that's a pretty significant difference. Yeah, the ending is the big difference in this one for sure. Um, but everything else leading up to it, it's it's just like small altered scenes, details. Um, yeah, absolutely. I kind of like I kind of like the, fir- the the theatrical ending a little bit more. Um, but I do like the opening to this movie, regardless of what scene you watch. When you first watch this movie, um, it's Lori is in the hospital and Michael comes to take her. Well, hold like- on. Before we get there, we have to talk about one of the best ever supporting characters on film. And that is uh, Coroner Garrett. Oh. With one scene, this guy makes such an impression that you just never forget. About. Like The stuff he says is absolutely horrid. And you don't feel too, too bad for him with that when you see what happens to him, which another one of those just exceedingly brutal zombie deaths but uh he's he like and his buddy uh dayton Callie, who's the uh dayton Callie from deadwood and sons of anarchy they're uh transporting the bodies to the morgue and uh richard brake uh gary scott just happens to talk about a couple of uh coroners a few counties over who are uh and he is such a he is such a perfect sleazebag it is a perfect i honestly think a best supporting actor Oscar would be earned by this gentleman from this performance alone. Never, if I were responsible, for never been Oscar. more tempted than now. <laughs> oh my god! And he's like the <sighs> way the cam- also the way the camera like when he says what they're doing, the camera like pans down just to his mouth, and you see his filthy teeth. Like Rob Zombie is such a detail oriented director, and like the way the actors help with that. God, it's just he's got such a great crew working for him. Anyway. I had to bring up Gary Scott. I had to bring up Richard Brake because <laughs> I genuinely love that actor. I'm excited whenever I see him, be it in something like fucking, uh, yeah, something great like Halloween 2 or something like Doom. Mm-hmm. I'm just always happy to see that guy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, we open, uh, well, first, sorry, I feel like I'm just like hijacking the podcast now. No, no, you're totally fine. You're we totally... do have that uh that opening uh quote about the white horse and then the flashback to uh Deborah. By the way, Sherry Moon Zombie's work in uh, Halloween 1 is my favorite performance of hers. I think she is incredible as the mm-hmm. mother who's just trying to hold her, like just trying to give a good life to her son and she is heartbreaking in that movie. Yeah, fat Michael little... Myers. <laughs> oh my god. I love that. I don't love that first one as much as this, but I do love that first one. I think, yeah, the the, the thing that Rob Zombie explores that the other movies don't explore is that Michael's childhood and his upbringing impacts his life. Um, he's such a mama's boy, which is fitting. And this movie, I don't think 
this movie almost feels Freudian Freudian in a way where it's like he loves his mom so much and she impacts his decisions and his personality so much that he even sees visions of her throughout the movie and then yeah so in in the beginning this movie obviously shows you right away that Michael has some sort of I guess mental connection to Lori because she has dreams about Michael Myers coming to kill her in the hospital in brutal scenes. And that basically are homage to the original Halloween too. And you get some really great kill sequences and you also get Michael Myers grunt sounds as well, which you really don't get. You don't get breathing or grunting noises in Halloween movies, except in the Rob zombie too. I feel like which I think is a nice added feature. It really humanizes Michael Myers, which I think is Rob Zombie's goal in this movie. He really humanizes Michael. Um, But right off the bat, like you said, the pan shot earlier in the corners car, this movie is nothing but full of close-ups and POVs of Michael Myers. And I think that's a really nice added touch in this movie. Yeah, I love the uh, the shooting decisions he makes here with his uh, DP, Brandon Trost, who's the esteemed DP of movies like This is the End, The Disaster Artist, The <laughs> Neighbors movies, lots mm-hmm. of movies that are nothing like uh, Halloween 2 or The Lords of Salem. Yeah, but and his- honestly, distinctively, like style-wise, this movie and Lords of Salem kind of have similar aspects. They're both really dark, dim-lidded movies with two female protagonists who are struggling with some sort of mental or PTSD um, symptoms as well. Yeah. And you also get those really surreal sequences. Mm -hmm. And the thing about the surreal sequences in this is the camera's not handheld. It's very, it's smooth. Uh, You get clean shots of everything, which is very much the shooting style for Lords of Salem. There's no handheld work there, which is pretty much his dominant aesthetic up until that point. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this movie Halloween two is really kind of like a, a not a renaissance, but like a, a different chapter in Rob Zombie's works, you know, cause up to this point he was doing the house of a thousand corpses and such. And um, then with Halloween one, I feel like Halloween one was very much Rob Zombie being like, I really, really want to make a movie that shows I'm a lover and fan of these movies. And then with Halloween two, he's like, now I can kind of be artistic. I can be creative. You know, I have the money for it now. And he does it with Lords of Salem and he does it with Halloween too. And he takes such weird, not weird, but like such untraditional approaches to his filmmaking styles. And I really like that because they feel like different movies. And to quote Daniel from from Cobwebs, you know, a remake is done well when you watch it and you can't, and you can tell the difference between that and the original. You feel like you're watching different movies and you feel that with Halloween one and two. Halloween two way more. Um, but yeah, I think this movie, like I said, this movie is a great study of mental illness, PTSD, but another big trait, it really kind of, whether he means to or not for me and on rewatch, it feels like it's a deconstruction of like toxic family structures, you know, like the toxic household, you know, people always say, you know, family is thicker than blood or, or whatever the quote is with that. Michael's upbringing fucking sucked. And a lot of people had really bad upbringings and, you know, we kind of, you know, brush it off and say like, oh, well, they're family, you know, toxic behavior, toxic traits. We brush it off because it's family. It's it's blood. And in this movie, Rob Zombie's kind of saying like, yeah, you know, you can say that. 
but you know, how can you excuse this? You know, like you're like Laurie Strode is literally related to Michael Myers and um, look at his upbringing and look what happened to her, you know? And even with Brad Dorf is that Dorf is like the, 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 the police officer and he's kind of become like a, a symbiotic father figure for Laurie. You know, there's some kind of like tense moments in that household as well. And it's so but the interesting tense moments are the tense moments are generally between uh, Annie and Lori. like Brad Dourif uh, is usually like the they're usually pretty peaceful when he's around. He's kind of the one that's uh, keeping like, I don't want to say holding things together because he usually whenever there's something wrong with Lori, he kind of just pushes that on to Annie like, hey, go take care of that because he's mm-hmm. clearly uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. But um. Yeah, whenever it's just Annie and Lori, like things get, well, at least in the director's cut. This is another difference between the theatrical and director's cut. Lori and Annie's relationship is a lot more turbulent in the director's cut. You Mm -hmm. see a lot more arguments between them. But in the theatrical cut, you don't really get any of that. You think uh, they're still really good friends. They survived this ordeal. They're closer than ever. But that's not the case. Like this, this situation fuck them up and like they both kind of serve as a constant reminder of that night for the others and that kind of like makes them feel both like it it just makes them feel angry and guilty at the same time and it's a real as you said it's an incredibly subversive uh what's the word i'm looking dynamic to explore in what's essentially a popcorn slasher movie yeah and it's weird because this movie doesn't like i said you take halloween two off the title cards this movie probably would have done so much better lori is also casted differently in this movie too than in the first movie and i really appreciate the act the change of the director but also like people complain that lori strode is not in in the rob zombie movies is not jamie lee curtis type at all you know i've heard these complaints but i like the lori strode in the rob zombie movies i feel like both actresses too. feel feel like they fit in that world, you know? No, Scout Taylor Compton, uh, delightful actress, by the way. I heard an interview with her once on the Shockwaves podcast, and she said the director she most wanted to work with is the Steve Beck, who directed 13 Ghosts and Ghost ah. Ship. Ah. And that's like, that is so awesome. That's the guy you want to work with. Like, that's coming at it from just a love of doing what you do. Like, you're not chasing any clout you're not like just it's it's just such a unique answer and i love it anyway she's great in this role uh in the and in the different ways that she plays the role in the original and the sequel because in the original she's very much the kind of reserved uh quiet i don't want to say nerdy but like slightly nerdy vibe but Mm -hmm. she's the more quiet one and then annie is the more party animal And those roles are kind of uh, reversed in this where Scout is the party animal, the kind of more obnoxious one. And Danielle Harris is reserved. And I never really realized this until I was reading, uh, reading a little uh, book about it last night, but she never really leaves the house in this. It's almost like she's become agoraphobic as if that, uh, that, uh, that incident has made her scared just to go outside. Like I think, I've seen this movie countless times and I somehow never put that together. So Good point. I wouldn't be surprised if that was like, if that was another like uh, 
subtle zombie touch doing like just being smarter than we ever give him credit for yeah what the fuck why does rob zombie get off and make in a pre-824 film with halloween 2 honestly um a24 give rob zombie some money (laughs) seriously um but yeah this so laurie's different i love dr loomis being different in this movie like we touched on earlier i think that's what makes this rob zombies two halloween movies stand out in my opinion and separate itself from the pack um also we got to talk about michael myers in this movie he is hobo michael myers like throughout most of this movie is Lori coming to terms with well, what happened to her on that spe- that night on Halloween. And the rest of the movie is also about her mental connection to seeing how Michael sees the world as a kid following an imagination of his mom. And uh, he's a hobo, basically. He's, he's bearded, long hair. He's seven foot tall, half a mask on, roaming the countryside so crazy (laughs) and no one knows if he's dead or not (laughs) wearing the mask Mm -hmm. yeah yeah there are times when he's just uh there were several shots i think that were cut from the theatrical version where he's just not wearing the mask he's just standing because it's yeah he's just bullying yeah he's just fucking grizzly adams just standing (laughs) there uh wandering the countryside all alone and he only puts the mask on when he's about to do some killing Mm-hmm. Like he's gonna kill old uh, Mark Boone Jr. and Dwayne Whitaker. Love seeing those uh, heavy set rednecks show up just to get killed. Those boys. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. love Mark Boone Jr. Every time I see that guy show up in anything, I'm happy. But honestly, Michael in these Rob Zombie movies, he's from a figure standpoint, he's menacing. Like, good God, like seven foot tall, muscular, long hair or beard or. And I love, like, again, the masks in the Rob Zombie movies heighten the, like, the menace of, like, Michael Myers so much in these movies. I love the mask. Oh, yeah. No, the, Matt, like, that was a lot, a lot of things that Halloween, which is what I call the Halloween 2018 film, uh, courtesy <laughs> Halloweenies podcast. I didn't come up with that on my own. <laughs> But a lot of people give that credit for things that Rob Zombie did first, like the grungy mask mm-hmm. or uh, Laurie uh, kind of dealing with her trauma, which that actually goes back to Halloween H2O. But now I'm just going off on tangents. Anyway, mm-hmm. the grungy mask is such a cool idea. Like just the mask uh, got left at the house and it just kind of started falling apart over the years. And then I agree um rob zombie doesn't get the kind of credit he does with these movies um also like but little, that's why we're here yeah and like the little subtleties that are like people be like oh gross or whatever i find it very entertaining like the strip club scene in this movie where the rabbit red strip club i think it's called rabbit red i think it's rabbit red strip club the ra- the rabbit in red yeah that's a uh that's a nod to a matchbook to a what the matchbook that says the rabbit in red and that's uh kind of a zombie's homage to that by naming the strip club the rabbit in red oh nice i also love i I love how it tags it as the home of michael myers mom (laughs) dancing on stage to love hurts that's the thing that people will always make fun of i fucking love that 
I think it's like just reality bites right there. Oh yeah. And then uh, love hurts comes back. That's the song that they play over the director's cut ending. When Lori's dead, they play this sad moody cover of love hurts that for the longest time, I couldn't even listen to it. Just hearing the song made me cry. Whenever I'd come up, whenever I'd shuffle my music and I'd come across it, I love, uh, Big Lou and uh, his his grumpy bouncer Howard, played by uh, now zombie mainstay Jeff Daniel Phillips. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What might actually be my favorite role of his, because he's just like grumpy the whole time. He does the little like karate move when he's by himself. He just wants to imagine himself beating the shit out of this guy. Enjoy when the gonorrhea, sees- old man. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And he's just like mumbling to himself, complaining. And when he sees Michael... He's not scared. He's just immediately irritated. Like, what the fuck you doing back here, man? It's because he's and a hobo. He is, <laughs> he's a dirty hippie is what he calls him. He's like yeah. Rick Dalton. <laughs> and, and then uh, he gets like, um, for my money, the coolest head stomp in movie history, uh, two years pre-drive. Take that, Refn. It's so clean. The head stomping is so clean. Every hor- like gory scene of this movie is amazing. It's impeccable. From Octavia Spencer getting stabbed on the floor with the grunts, I feel like the I feel those stabs all the way to the head stomping into the head bashing in the glass of that stripper, and the fucking uh, the um, the strip club owner's arm breaking, and, and you that see just the like, bone. Pff- yeah. Oh my god! And that primal scream that he lets out, like it just you feel the agony. Mm-hmm. this movie's all about like physical pain and like mental surrealness because even like the ending scene because basically this movie is just michael traveling through to find Lori because Lori now knows that she's related to michael um and to dr loomis basically defending himself throughout this whole movie which he's kind of a chum he's almost like the biggest villain of this whole movie more than michael um oh yeah and it's uh, it takes um former real life villain chris hardwick to help him realize that he's not <laughs> that he is a villain it's just, we're not gonna dive into that but um no please uh, don't <laughs> it's just it's weird it's just weird seeing chris hardwick or something but he does have some great lines here like when he's when loomis is talking about how uh like he feels like the world is against him because mm-hmm. they feel like he's profiteering and chris hardwick's just like yeah everyone feels really bad for you and just blows him off that's a that is a quote that my friends and I frequently just send to each other, just like jokingly in conversations. I love the part where he has the audacity to criticize the Haddonfield Police Department about losing Michael and Brad Dorf is watching it on the other TV screen. I'm like, you prick. <laughs> oh my god. Speaking of Brad Dorf, can we talk about um like so did you only watch the theatrical cut for this viewing or like when's yeah. the last time you saw the director's cut? It's been two years. Okay, so do you remember uh, Annie's death scene and uh, Bracket like showing up and seeing her dead body? Because it's sad in the theatrical version. In the director's cut, it is devastating. Like Brad Dourif is just like mm-hmm. a shell of a man. Like yeah. that is Brad Dourif, one of my absolute favorite actors, and this movie's yeah. a big reason for that. Like this might be my favorite performance of his. Yeah. And it's that juxtaposed with the like the music and the uh, video of like young Danielle Harris. It's just mm-hmm. all comes together to just it's a gut punch. 
Yeah. Like, this and- is a this is a sad, angry movie. This is not what people expect when they go into a Halloween movie. No, oh my but it's God. oddly I went satisfying to... and rewatchable at times. Oh, absolutely. Like, like again, everything with Malcolm McDowell, even though it's uh, rooted in tragedy, is hilarious. Like, just how condescending he is. Like, his, uh, his publicist, he's like, oh, well, when I want your opinion, I'll beat it out of you. Oh, yeah. He is such a fucking prick. And he is, Malcolm McDowell is having so much fun playing him that way. <laughs> Yeah, again, Mike, like Rob Zombie picks like these actors you don't usually think about, and um, he makes them different. And again, with remakes, Loomis in this movie is definitely different than Donald Pleasance was in Halloween 2. Um, Dr. Loomis in Halloween 2 from John Carpenter, um, you know, he's concerned for Lori and he kind of pieces together that Lori's in danger throughout the whole movie and actually saves her. Um, in this movie, he's out to kill her, basically. <laughs> um, yeah. I love how Michael Myers in this movie is ba- his whole vibe is basically I need to rectify certain inequities in this movie. <laughs> oh yeah, he's basically killing everyone that's like keeping him and his uh sister apart, like all her new friends or uh Annie and uh Sheriff Brackett, like just anyone who well, he doesn't kill Sheriff Brackett, but the Halloween party to. though, the Halloween party scene, oh my fucking god, impeccable. <laughs> that like the greatest party i've ever seen in a movie it's so damn cool you see so many amazing things <laughs> you get yeah. to see a wolfman virgin about to get laid you get to see a giant inflatable pumpkin By, um... talking to you you get to see um a rocky horror um i forget the actor's name who plays um uh, it's iconic in that the um the what's her name uh Frankenfooter. Yeah, no, no, no. It's uh, it's who's the actor though who plays um? It's a guy. Oh, that's I. In the original. Oh, uh, Tim picture. Curry. Tim Curry. Like you get someone dressed up like Tim Curry from Rocky Horror in that movie. Um. Uh, one of my. I'm just gonna say this. Like uh, this movie kind of uh, deter- this movie kind of um. Let's just say I have a crush on almost every woman in this movie, and it probably kind of. <laughs> It, uh, God, what's the word I'm looking for? They will all literally ruin your fucking life, but you're okay with it. <laughs> I'm okay with that. It literally, like, kind of determined the types of women that I'm attracted to. Oh, this movie. no. Oh, no. Not in, no, okay. I'm just talking, mainly, I'm talking looks. I'm not talking, uh, <laughs> I'm not talking personality. Like, <laughs> like the, like the, like Lori, I love Scout Taylor Compton's look in this, like the, like, half dread like she's basically on the verge of dreadlocks you've got bria grant playing her friend with the like shorter mm-hmm, bleached mm-hmm, blonde dreadlock mm-hmm. hair and then you've got uh i think the ending to halloween too we've kind of talked about basically the beginning and most of what this movie is except the ending i think the ending to this movie is definitely a, a director's choice i feel like rob zombie kind of put a chef's kiss to his directing style with this movie and said hey I gave you a lot of what I've give, been giving you people who watch and support me. And now I'm showing you I'm going in a dire- different direction with my filmmaking because he makes Devil's Rejects after this. Um, with such a- You mean Lords of Salem? Or Lords of Salem, sorry. Um, it just feels like such a weird ending for a Rob Zombie movie. When you think about movies up until this point for him, it just feels God, so, I st- so surreal and kind of like artistic, you know? 
Absolutely. I cannot believe that this was a movie that got released in multiplexes nationwide. Seriously. I went to I went to see this on opening night with a group of friends. They they actually showed it wasn't shot in IMAX, but they showed it in the IMAX theater, like the theater that um I lived by my freshman year of college. On mm-hmm. opening night, they would just even if a movie wasn't in IMAX, they would usually project it on the IMAX screen. So oh, nice. I got to see this projected on the IMAX screen and it Another one of my like great movie going memories. A lot of Rob Zombie memories are like great movie going memories for me, but I knew what I was going in for because I was a Rob Zombie fan. Well, I kind of knew. I wasn't expecting the weird directions he went down in this. And mm-hmm. but I liked weirdness and brutality in movies, so I was okay with it. I don't think my friends had any idea what the fuck they were watching or what they were in for. And they weren't like positive or negative afterward they were just like huh (laughs) and i think at the end they ended up not liking it because i remember talking to one of them afterward and like yeah that first one was way better i'm like no 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 the second one is better that's usually how my arguments with daniel nathan and any person in general with sequels comes about God bless you doing the Lord's work, propping up sequels. I really am trying to do the Lord's of Salem's work out here for real. But yeah, seriously, I'm not going to talk too much about the ending unless you want to, because it's just like, it's just, it's just so, if you haven't seen the Rob Zombie Halloween two, it's just like the ending is kind of, it's one of those endings for horror movies where it's like satisfying, you know, like there's no cliffhanger. There's no like, oh, that's such a hard, that's such a mean ending. It's just kind of like closure. You know, well, the reason that we have the two different endings is because the Weinsteins wanted to uh, guarantee that there would be a sequel. So they had to have an ending where she lived. And so in a certain sense, they kind of wanted that to be a cliffhanger. And they actually did originally intend to make a sequel to this. I I actually read an unproduced script that uh, was going to be the sequel to this written by... um, Todd Farmer and Patrick Lussier, the My Bloody Valentine Drive Angry guys. Oh, wow. And um, it was not good. <laughs> there was, uh, I won't, I mean, I won't say much about it, except that it read more like a Friday the 13th movie than a Halloween movie. But I like those guys. I like those movies, but they should not have uh, touched this property because that was pretty bad. It's, yeah. I, I always thought and it'd be this, cool. It's, oh, I was just going to say, it is uh, like, it's a definitive ending when this movie ends like there really is there shouldn't be another story like it should mm-hmm. end with Lori dying and being reunited with her fucked up family in the afterlife mm-hmm. i think i like having rob zombies movies be alone and separate because even in collections or when you talk in conversations it's like we talk about halloween and then we say rob zombies halloween because he's he made those movies so distinctively different in his own that people can recognize that. And I think that speaks to his, you know, his creativity and his 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 artistic choices. And I absolutely love that. Um, I also think it's weird that in 2021, when it comes to like horror movie franchises, the only steady work is Michael Myers right now. You don't we're not getting any Friday the 13th, we're not getting any nightmare movies, we're barely getting Texas Chainsaw movies. Um, you know, I'm just thinking of like the beer in like, you know, child's play got a reboot not it's going to TV show scream had a TV show, but we're finally getting a screen movie. It just kind of feels weird that we've kind of like, and Candyman remake, you know, it's just like, or sequel, excuse me. We've kind of been dragging our feet. I feel like with the horror movies, eh, for these like franchises. 
Uh, I mean, there's there. We all know why Friday the Thirteenth won't get a new one. Like lawsuits are just like plaguing that franchise. Oh really? Oh wow. Oh yeah. There's um. I don't know the specifics, but basically Victor Miller, the writer of the original Friday the Thirteenth, is like suing for uh, money that he's owed or for the rights to the title. I think he has the title. I don't know. I don't understand the law. I don't understand copyright law. There's a lot of complexity to this issue, but basically lawsuits are the reason that we haven't gotten a new Friday the 13th and why we still aren't getting one. Nightmare on Elm Street, I don't know what's going up with that. Maybe Jackie Earl Haley just made sure that we never ever want to watch another one of those movies. (laughs) And maybe Rooney Mara is just like, I I don't know. She just didn't like being in that movie. I can't think of anything smart to say. (laughs) No, it's all good. Uh, But yeah, Halloween 2 from Rob Zombie. You know, if you like A24 films, if you like iconic slasher um, icons, I feel like the Rob Zombie Halloween movies are right up your alley then. And um, I think I I share the same thoughts um, with Mark when it comes to Halloween 2. It feels like such a different take on these movies you kind of wish you get remakes like this once in a while because it's a breath of fresh air um because a lot of the changes he made in this movie do feel very nice and different it's kind of like um fetty alvez's um evil dead remake you know this halloween too kind of feels like that's a little different it's kind of a breath of fresh air you know i did want to ask you uh, one more question yeah of course so uh when you first watched uh, halloween 2 and it was revealed that everything at the beginning from Lori waking up in the hospital was a dream. Were you intrigued or disappointed when that first happened? Oh, okay. I was going to say, I was kind of happy that it was a dream sequence, but I was also so pleasantly happy that Rob Zombie decided to amp it up to a hundred at the beginning of the movie for no goddamn reason. Um, and it feels like a bait and switch kind of like, basically rob zombies halloween one and two is it feels like a bait and switch on the execs i feel like he's like oh yeah yeah i'm gonna do a remake don't worry like give me the money i'll, I'll do it and then he did whatever the fuck he wanted to do because he got the money instead and he did it for the fans so that's how i felt with it <laughs> see i will well first i just want to go to what um what i read and the, there's a book called uh, taking shape it's kind of like this uh comprehensive look at the entire halloween franchise and i was reading the section on halloween too and Rob Zombie said that um, when asked about the hospital setting, he's like, no, I wasn't trying to reference part two. That just felt like the natural place to go after what happened in the first one. But honestly, yeah. again, that kind of feels like him being cheeky because like the, like having an entire sequence set in a hospital, including going through the basement, which is what happens in the mm-hmm. original, mm-hmm. just to have it be a dream and like, oh, no, this is not going to be the movie it does feel like him directly commenting on that movie. Like, ah, gotcha. Opening night screening. And she woke up. I was so disappointed because I loved what I had seen so far. Like it reminded me of high tension in that it's a really brutal, brutal, just merciless, relentless chase movie. And I thought if he could have made like Rob Zombie could have maintained that in that tension for a whole movie. And if it didn't have any of the psychological depth that we got in the movie that we ended up getting, if it was just a surface level, just like new French extremity inspired or seventies inspired chase movie, I would have been all right with that. I think that would have been awesome. But that first viewing, that's why I was kind of disappointed, but the movie obviously won me back over. Yeah. 
That movie is so layered. It's insane. That's uh, great. But yeah, Mark, man, we did it. We talked about Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. And for people listening, if they're not standing Rob Zombie filmography now, I don't know what else we can do to convince them. <laughs> uh, we can talk about... Um... I don't know. We can we can talk about Jesus Christ. I'm out of it. I wanted to say something witty. I've got nothing. Oh no, you're good. We can talk about A24 movies, and then at the end, I'm like, does that sound good to you? <laughs> no. Oh, well then, how about this movie, Rob Zombie's Halloween Two? I think Rob Zombie's One and Halloween One and Two are absolute units of films that need to be watched. And Mark, I'm new. You're sharing that opinion, and uh, yeah, I think. People, I think this October is perfect as any to watch Rob Zombie's movies, let alone these Halloween ones, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's a new Halloween movie coming out, so just like you're gonna probably be watching a lot of Halloween movies. Uh, just or don't. Maybe re- you'll just be one of those uh, people who only watches the first one and the 2018 <sighs> one. Uh, yeah, don't be those uh, people. You should, don't you should include people. the Rob Zombie ones in your October watching. Yeah, like take out rewatching Hocus Pocus for the fifth time, remove that, and throw in Rob Zombie's one and two in there for sure. And I've gone uh, 31 years without watching Hocus Pocus, so that's not a problem for me. There you go. There's a trend. People are standing the malignant film as the second coming, and then they also talk about how many times they've already um how many times they've rewatched um hocus pocus i feel like so um <laughs> uh, mark hey man thank you so much for being on here um what what's what's come what's what's going to be coming out with you soon you got anything to give us like well, on your only fans page uh let's see i've got um a promo going right now uh five dollars a month uh you get a a bundle of just all my latest videos from the past <laughs> month that's awesome and it's like basically him nude holding all the movies he loves covering his private parts i love it (laughs) pretty much movies are covering my entire body except the private parts (laughs) oh that would be crazy Uh, (laughs) (laughs) no i'm um no i just i mean i said earlier i'm gonna be on a uh, uh i'm gonna be doing a schlock and awe I don't know if it's going to be, we're going to be recording it this October. I don't know if it's going to come out this October. I hope it does because it is horror centric, but I'm going to be talking about another one of my recent favorite horror movies that's quickly moving its way up in my uh, favorites ranking. <laughs> and I am so excited. That's awesome, man. And where can people uh, find that's you? The only po- that's really the only one I can think of off the top of my head I've got coming up. That's awesome. And, and where can people find you at, Mark? Uh, you can find me just, Look me up, Mark Wanner on Letterboxd, M-A-R-K-W-A-N-N-E-R, at, uh, huh, this is where my Twitter handle comes in, uh, becomes relevant, at the shape 14 that's capital T-H-E underscore capital S-H-A-P-E 14 on the Twitters. Uh, yeah, it's, that's not it. And it's, the Hu- and it's the Hubie Halloween Adam Sandler profile pick as always. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. You see, I didn't have to change my profile picked to something halloween friendly i've had that all year long <laughs> god bless mark water um if you're fans of this uh podcast in this episode i highly recommend people you know subscribe to the channel um you can follow us at inside the sequel.com follow us on twitter at inside sequel um if you missed our last episode we had the co-directors uh the both directors of the uh scream cream my nightmare on elm street um i highly recommend you check that out and uh 
listen to this episode and then tune in for next week where we have Michael Scott from the Atkins Undisputed podcast to talk about the Purge 3 election year, which I'm very excited for. Um, I can't wait to hear that one. I appreciate it, man. I'm excited myself. Um, But yeah, thank you all for tuning in. And remember, if you aren't standing Rob Zombie Cinema, do you even care about cinema? Anyway, we'll see you next time.